0: How it all ends that's what the book of revelation is about we're in our fourth part expositionally studying it and our question today is do you know god's plan for his church now, remember we already talked last hour that if you're in the church you're a saint if you're a saint you're in the church if you've been saved you're a saint if you've been saved you're in the church being saved means you're born again into a new family which is the church you enter into this amazing family and so the book of Revelation was written to the amazing family that lived in that circle most like I mean geographically that's the postal route Mail would come in to Ephesus on boats and they'd go up and then come down the River Valley and then they'd slip back over and that was a postal route the Roman Empire's communication system but what it really was most likely were churches planted by the Ephesian believers during Paul's ministry see Paul started that church and it says that he taught for ephesus he started the church of ephesus and he taught for three years in the school of Tyrannus. it says in acts 19 until everybody in asia heard the gospel that's interesting what it meant was that people came and then they left and they went all over this province and took it with them and these are probably churches that were started there so here's what i found in my little half hour every day that i spend reading every section and let's go to chapter two so in your Bible uh Revelation chapter two wow it's the fourth hour and we've got through one chapter that's foreboding isn't it I see that smile on your face right there we have a very smart student over here and she's calculating that at the speed I'm going you guys are going to miss lunch some days or supper or something okay here we go chapter two To the angel now let's settle that right now do angels lead churches yes or no no how do we know that because the bible says that every church paul appointed acts 14 23 elders in every church elders are people and they are appointed to be the teaching shepherding representatives of christ why is it called an angel here because that's an english word that is it's not a translation it's a transliteration there are many greek words that if you say them out loud they sound exactly like the english word let me say the greek word for angel angelos or i could say angelos now what does angelos sound like angel but what does angelos the greek word mean a messenger it can be a messenger on the pony express Riding across the country with the Native Americans chasing him. It doesn't matter. It, they're, a messenger is a messenger. It could be the person that's walking out to, to give the announcements you know, at the banquet. They're the messenger. Okay, who are the messengers of the church that Jesus is holding? They're the ones, because Revelation doesn't introduce any new stuff. There is nothing in Revelation that's not somewhere else in the Bible. Isn't that neat? that means the more you study Revelation you understand the rest of the Bible because they pull God pulls all these little things out of all the most obscure dark corners in the in the Bible and explains them and fits them together so the messenger is the pastor teacher elder of the church in Ephesus and probably there were multiple churches in Ephesus because it was so big local gatherings but all of them together were the church at Ephesus right okay look what I wrote Jesus designed our DNA now DNA is one of the greatest proofs of creation you know what they discovered this week a new team found out the DNA first responders did you know your DNA every coil of it in your body has been designed to have a self repair part that clicks into action as soon as there's some damage to that DNA this this repair part comes in I just read the Scientific American art it's the most amazing article it comes in and clamps off both ends of the strand where the problem is in the middle and it clamps it off and it works on it in the middle and then it comes off and unclamps it how did that evolve how long did it take for DNA to mutate and go crazy for it to decide it's got to help itself and how would it even think about that you understand what I mean and scientists this whole mapping of the human genome is one of the bonanzas for creationism because it so proves the divine origin of us right down to the plans of our body so guess who designed your plans jesus knows who you are he knows where we live and even knows which church of his body we're a part of or not a part of boy didn't covid ruin church attendance you know who wants to wear a mask while you're singing you know Oh, it's just hard. But Jesus said, you're in the church whether you attend or not, okay? But it doesn't benefit you if you're not with the other believers. Do you know what all of us are supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be stimulating. The Greek word is the word that, that we would call cataclysm. We're supposed to be uh, doing a cataclysmic, uh, you know, this 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 effect on each other where we cause us to change that's what we're all supposed to be doing encouraging one another exhorting actually is a greek word and so he knows which church we're a part of the second thing i learned is in verse b it's uh, uh, chapter 2 verse 1 letter b it says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand the stars are the messengers the angelos the pastor teachers look what i wrote Jesus holds the pastor teacher in his hand so he knows what you have been taught in your church or not taught. Plus, he knows how we're functioning as our partner's body, as a lampstand. And Jesus is with us and he walks around the churches. Now, I want to show you something. Every one of these letters has the same grid. All seven letters to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, you know, right down the line. All of them start, the first part, is the name of the city. And and by the way, the, the name of the city actually is worked into the message i mean these things are really integrated messages second thing jesus reveals something about himself to them his chosen name i mean look look what he says in ephesus uh, this these things this is chapter one verse i chapter two verse one these things says he and jesus said this is who i am i hold the seven stars in my right hand I walk around the seven golden lampstands Jesus that's how he wants us to know him I'm the one that's holding the message and the messenger for all my churches boy does that help me I used to I pastored in a lot of churches I started in Georgia in Demarest Georgia that was the first church I was a youth pastor then I went from there to Grace Community Church and was associate pastor with John MacArthur. And then I went from there to Quidnesset Church in Rhode Island. Then I went from there to Tulsa Bible Church in Tulsa. Then I went from there to Calvary Bible Church of Kalamazoo. Do you know what was a blessing in all those churches? When you had any problems at all? And if you're ever in a church, there are problems because there are saved sinners in the church. And one of the worst things that happens to pastors is called sheep bites. You know, you're supposed to be protecting from the wolves and all of a sudden the sheep bites you one of the people in the church terrible thing but the danger is letting the sheep bite get infected that means you get bitter and angry and you know get upset at the church and harm it and something like that but you know what blessed me i would i would hear these raucous business meetings and i'd say i'm so glad that when you take the offering in this church that what you're putting the money into is not into my hands but into the hands of jesus christ so first of all, all that money you give doesn't go to me you gave it to christ but guess what jesus said he's doing revelation 2 verse 1 i am the one who holds the messengers in my hand i said ephesians 4 says that pastor teachers are gifts to christ's church so actually i don't work for you i work for christ and actually you didn't really pick me and vote even though you went through that process jesus decided he wanted me at this church you understand what i mean it just changes your whole perspective of the ministry and so it doesn't matter how many times sheep bite you because look what they did to christ i mean no one's crucified me yet for being a pastor and so you know he understands but his chosen name is that his commendation he says something nice his concern then he said, i have somewhat against you it's number four then he tells him an exhortation how to change and then he makes this promise to the overcomers and by the way what's an overcomer see nothing's new in revelation have i said that before so that means if you want to understand a word you don't understand you look where else it is in the bible and what is first john 5 all about in fact all of first john all five chapters overcomers 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 and this is the faith that overcomes the world and who are the overcomers those who believe that jesus is the christ and all the overcomer stuff is already explained an overcomer is god's name for us christians it isn't a super class it's not the olympic christians you know the olympic athlete christians are overcomers the rest of us are no if you are in the church you're an overcomer you're a saint and then his challenge this ends every one of these seven little letters jesus wrote he that has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so we're going to follow that grid in all of them now here's the church now this is some artist i always love it when archaeologists get artists to make a representation of what they've excavated this was one of the seven wonders of the world this thing is amazing uh If you would have been coming into the harbor of ephesus teeming with boats and all the roads lined up with exotic goods all the way across the empire the largest building you would have seen as you sailed into the harbor of ephesus was this thing by the way this is the largest building of the ancient world that's why it became a wonder you say "Uh, i have google i know the pyramids are bigger are the pyramids a building yeah they got a tomb inside they got some passageways did you see last month they finally figured out there is a hidden chamber after all these years the biggest pyramid has a large hidden chamber oh can't wait to see what they find it'll prove even more of the bible that was the largest building the ancients said i'll tell you about it um it was 10 stories high it took up an entire city block it was the temple of Diana or Artemis in Greek. It was completely covered and overlaid with pure gold. It stood gleaming in the sun directly in the center of the city, and it became number three of the seven wonders of the ancient world. You say, hmm, so what? Well, listen to what it was like. In and around Diana's temple were prostitutes, both men and women, who lured people in for unbridled immorality to worship Diana. The goddess of sex and fertility, and hundreds of the temple prostitutes were always on the grounds to promote an unrestrained indulgence of the flesh. Ephesus became a magnet, not just for the sexually enslaved, but it was the center of black arts, witchcraft, superstition, and all the powers of Satan. Now think about it. Jesus planted his greatest church in the shadow of Satan's temple that was I know they said it was Diana you know Artemis but who Paul said to the Corinthians who is behind every idol demons and Satan there 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 aren't you know all the what's the the new Disney thing the immortals or whatever you know and and now all the Marvel things you know we we're starting to cross over from science fiction into mythology and Thor is you know the Nordic God and all that stuff behind all of mythology and false gods of all the religions of the world is Satan remember he's the God of this world and so this was Satan's biggest temple the largest building in the ancient world of the of the classic world when they made the seven wonders was that thing and God planted his biggest church in the shadow of that place see that boy that should if you even care about the Bible that you're here studying that should start sending alarm bells off how did God plant a church in the shadow of the biggest temple of Satan so immediately that means that wherever Ephesus is talked about is fascinating so acts 19 is about the birth of this church paul wrote six chapters to these people what's it called the book of what ephesians yeah was to that church and what did he write about he wrote about how to overcome sexual temptation and how to defeat spiritual warfare how to resist satan that's what the book of ephesians is all about based on the first three chapters which you've probably already studied our position in christ to have any church in ephesus was really a miracle But the church at Ephesus, it was Paul's longest ministry. The greatest revival of the New Testament era. It's the largest church of church history that that we have a record of. It's the church Jesus is going to talk about his first love. That's where we are in Revelation 2 and 3. And it has the most detailed words on spiritual warfare and commands. You know in the Bible, you have Logos. You can do a search on the imperatives, right? So that's a quick one. Did you know jesus in the great commission said go into all the world and preach the gospel teaching them to observe all things that i have what commanded you that's the great commission matthew 28 18 to 20. what did jesus command a new commandment i give unto you that you love one another that's an easy one but you know what all this rest of his 250 commands are the imperatives That are in the gospels jesus commanded many things you say why does that matter because john wrote five books his first one was the gospel by john you know what it says in john 14 21 he that has my commandments and what keeps them is he that loves me so very interesting so uh there are a lot of commands in ephesus 6 10 to 20 is all i was trying to say okay ephesus teaches us the three the three choices of a surrendered life. Now look at this. I know your works. I, I'm I'm in uh, Revelation 2:2 now. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. I know you can't bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. Verse three. You've persevered. You have patience. You've labored for my name. You have not become weary. Verse four. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Jesus is saying to a local church. The biggest one the miracle church the one that's in the shadow of satan's temple i have this against you You, i don't know who is the uh, person you most look up to as the biggest top dog of your life but think of whoever it is whether it's your parents or your boss or your best friend or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or i don't know who but the last thing someone that you think is the most important person in your life The worst thing that that, whoever it is, could say is, I have this against you. Wouldn't you sit up after you, you know, collapsed with sorrow and cried a little bit and said, I didn't know you had anything against me. I don't want anything to be, I love you or I admire you or I want to do whatever to please you. If that person said outright, I have this against you, wouldn't it be shocking? Yet jesus says that to this church why well let's do a little little study of where they'd come from look at acts 19 remember if we're going to do expositional study we have to see the background okay so this is not the first time ephesus shows up in the bible the first time it shows up in the bible is way back here in acts chapter 19 and see how long it takes to turn the pages but it sure is fun you know when i turn the pages i see all the markings that i have in my bible and it reminds me you know the way that god wired our memories and our brains we have we have uh 600 octillion synaptic connections i mean this is an amazing hard drive it's better than flash you know the four terabyte scan disk flash you know hard drives that you can carry in your pocket that are the size of a credit card this thing's really dense. There are more synaptic connections inside your brain than there are known stars in the universe. Six hundred octillion synaptic connections, and what God has done is, the more you put in, there is a spiritual gift. If you've gone through, I think Don Locke actually teaches. I don't know. There's a spiritual gift that is called the the gift of knowledge. You know, it scares people because they're thinking of a prophet that's telling the future. Do you know what the literal systematic theology theological definition of the word of knowledge is? A, a spontaneous bringing to mind of a previously learned scripture. How many of you have been talking to someone and all of a sudden a verse, you can't believe it, you learned it in Awana 22 years ago, you know, just comes to your mind. Is that because you're really smart? No, it's because of the way God wired our minds that everything you've ever seen or heard or done or said or anything else there's room up here it's all there it's all recorded in Technicolor your brain is taking a video and it's 8k it's not 4k it's 8k of everything every thought every word every sound every lyric every smell and it's just it's on all the time and it's all there this hard drive has everything in it and you know what the Holy Spirit offers to us if we surrender He'll spontaneously bring to your mind a previously learned scripture. You know what the goal is? To previously learn it, okay? He won't bring to mind something you haven't learned. That would be revelation. We don't believe in continuing revelation, but we sure do believe that He will bring to our minds what we've previously learned. So every time I turn the pages, it brings everything to my mind that I've previously learned. But look at verse 11, and I'll stop talking about everything that comes to my mind, or we'll never finish this lesson, okay? Now God worked unusual. I'm in Acts 1911. see, 1911 to 17. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Listen to the founding of this church. Verse 12, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick. Did you understand what that means? Paul's working, trying to earn a living. He's working as a leather worker, and and, and Bonnie and I have gone around all these shops in the archeological remains, and, and it's amazing how, how unventilated they were. You can actually see Paul's leather shop because it's a part of all the leather shops that are in Corinth, and you can see what they look like. Very unventilated, they didn't have central air. So here he is working away on his leather work, and he grabs his his handkerchief he grabs a a cloth and goes "Oh, oh boy sets it down works some more and he goes and it was gone where did it go well look at verse 12. so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body i mean people were hanging around the doors like this waiting for paul to go to lunch and take his leather worker apron off and they'd grab the apron and they'd run over to someone that was sick and they'd touch him with the apron and look what would happen in verse 12 diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them this was the most unbelievable time of paul's ministry a handkerchief his napkin you know he was at chipotle got a little of the guac on his face and he did the napkin poof there it went and they would go heal someone with it that's what was going on now look what happens i don't have time to read it all but it says after the seven sons of siva and it says also uh, this became known verse 17 both to all the jews and the greeks dwelling in ephesus and fear fell on them and here it is and the name of the lord jesus was what what does your bible say magnified the name of paul wasn't magnified isn't that interesting you know nowadays If you're a big shot in christian world you're a big shot you ever been to the nrb you know the national religious broadcasters thing christian bible teachers and evangelists have have details around them they look like the president they all have those things in their ears and they have kind of like the little bulge in their suit you know what that means that they have a gun and they're and these superstars come into the nrb with a phalanx of all these protective details. That's why most of our modern Christian superheroes never go to jail, are scourged, or stoned, or, you know what I mean, imprisoned, because they're superstars. Did you know what the Bible says? The greatest revival in history, with a man whose napkins could heal people and drive out demons, he wasn't magnified. Who was magnified? Who does verse 17 say was magnified? Christ. The goal of our lives is for people to not even remember who told them that. It's kind of like Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip disappeared. The Lord harpazoed him, raptured him away, and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He wasn't even worried that he didn't know where Philip was because he had philip had connected him to christ paul had connected these people to christ the goal of word of life bible institute is not to connect you to to you know someone that becomes your uber mega superhero It's to connect you to christ god's son was magnified that was the the first of the choices that the church at ephesus made remember here i'll back up the three choices this church The whole church embodied the surrendered life. And the first church choice they made is they were going to magnify God's son. They didn't magnify Paul. They thought he was a great tool the Lord used. But it was Christ they were connected to. And I hope that that's what really, really happens during your experience here at Word of Life. You know, part of the charter, I'm on the board of the Word of Life Bible Institute, not just one of many. There's this huge room of us. And they always remind us every board meeting twice a year uh, when we gather in march and in august and then we actually have one more in so we have three we have one in december too they remind us of the charter and the the founding documents of the word of life bible institute you know what it is to prepare you for a lifetime you know one of those lines in there says to give you the skills and prepare you for the lifetime ministry well you know what the lifetime ministry is it's not staying in this room it's getting connected very deeply to Christ in this room and in your dorms and in all of your outreaches and then leave here connected to him he's magnified so that's the first thing and by the way this is unlike any time in Paul's ministry God didn't do miracles like this all the time but here in Ephesus because Paul's only goal was to magnify Christ because he didn't care about magnifying himself his name his status God especially blessed Paul's ministry Like at no other time in his life and it's amazing to think about but look at what happens when christ gets magnified in your life something happens to you and this is what happened to the church look at verse 18 and many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds verse 19 and many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lifetime, many lifetimes. That's 200 years of work at average ra- wages. So we're talking about multiple lifetimes of multiple people. That's how much it would be very much. And then verse 20. Well, I don't want to get to 20 yet. What's the second thing, the second choice? Number one, we want Christ magnified. Number two, God's people are consecrated I I keep getting the questions you know that come up and several of you have told me that you ask all of the speakers the the same set of questions I think about that's exactly what I used to do only I didn't ask him I took him out to a meal I I you know that's how I met John MacArthur I walked up to him and he says I would like to take you out to lunch and he looked around he just got done speaking at a place a chapel and there were hundreds of students there and he looked around and everyone was going that way to lunch and he was left at the front and he says well I guess nobody else wants me you can have me I thought oh and I went to lunch for three hours I asked him questions I don't remember eating anything I just asked him questions I just said how do you find that in the Bible how do you study how do you memorize how do you read how do you know? and when he got all done he said you know what he said, why don't you just come on staff and he said I'll just show you all that stuff and that's how I started on staff so ask John MacArthur out to lunch you might be on staff no what happens that God wants to happen when we start magnifying Christ in our life we start getting consecrated we start shedding tearing off the old garments of sin the the things that so easily beset us let me just talk about this when God's son is magnified choice number two God's people get consecrated when Paul originally began spreading the gospel in Ephesus he was not talking to commendable God honoring saints it says in Ephesians, they walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. And then Paul goes on in Ephesians to say, this church conducted themselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. These were Diana worshipers, sex addicts, materialism controlled, occult practicing sinners we're talking about here. But when God saves them, he doesn't just leave them there and they made the choice to cooperate what I'm saying here is they cooperated with sanctification how did they do that oh we don't have to guess remember nothing's new in Revelation this is talking this this church in Satan's shadow is chronicled Uh, let's let's look at what Paul taught them it's in Ephesians 4 right here starting in verse 17. so look at Ephesians 4 You want to know how they did it how did they magnify christ that's ephesians 1 2 and 3. that was just they listened and said we got it paul how did they get consecrated that's ephesians 4 and 5 and 6. and look what happens in ephesians 4 starting in verse 17. this i say therefore and testify in the lord that you should no longer walk like the rest of the gentiles walk in the futility of their mind he said you guys aren't supposed to live under the shadow of that temple to Satan and all the wickedness they do there why because those people verse 18 have their understanding darkened they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them the blindness in their heart and their past feelings and they give themselves over to lewdness and they work isn't it fun to read the Bible and actually to see what it's talking about He's describing what the Ephesian people that lived around that temple, the wonder of the world, what they lived like. They lived just like this. Ignorance and blindness of their hearts, verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over to all this. Verse 20, but that's not what you learn from Christ. Well, he didn't say that's not what you learn from me. Paul stood and said, I want you to follow me like I'm following who? Christ. That's right. That's 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. I think you've memorized that. This is great. Hey, we're supposed to go out in the world and say, I want you to follow me because I'm following Christ. Now, it's okay to say follow me if you're following Christ. And so Paul is teaching them right here, you're learning this from Christ. I'm the one that's speaking to you, but what I'm telling you is from Christ. Verse 20 of chapter 4 of Ephesians if indeed you've heard him and taught by him and the truth is is in Jesus now verse 22 how do you get consecrated you ever heard uh most pastors have three points you know in a a story or something because in homiletics you're you know people can only remember so much so you have three points this is one of those three-point sermons Paul gives look at it it's in verse 22 that you put off now if you could see my Bible I have a big red box around that and then look at verse 23 and be renewed so you put off secondly you be renewed and then look at verse 24 that you put on okay I'll tell you about one of my bad habits as a man I would wear the same thing every day women are not like that Uh, it's comfortable I like it and so I have a wonderful wonderful wife sorry that's where you were yesterday wonderful wonderful wife and you know what she does she actually gets rid of some of my clothes because i would keep wearing them until they fell apart i mean i am a creature of habit and so the fact that i'm wearing my i call it my pink shirt is because bonnie bought it for me because i had another shirt that i wore too much and it looked really ratty and so she bought me a new one and I went in to get my regular shirt and I looked and it wasn't there I went honey what happened she said well honey I got you something new and I had to choose to put it on now you understand the Bible is written for for basically the New Testament was primarily slaves that were in the church that's why they met at night the slaves worked all day that's why Eutychus fell out the window and died and Paul had to raise him from the dead he was from the area around Ephesus it's because they were mostly slaves And so these people i mean they were they were trying to get this in but they were tired and they worked all day and so paul said okay i'll make the christian life real simple it's like getting dressed you put off you be renewed you put on so it's like getting undressed taking a shower and getting dressed again in clean clothes okay isn't that simple now let me ask you is it like iron man where you go like this and the machine comes around you and goes and takes it off and puts it on you no It's a choice you make you have to take off then you have to go to be renewed the shower and then you have to choose to put on that's the christian life that's they chose to not give satan a foothold in their life they were constantly shedding every time they remembered something from the old life every time they walked by that temple and they were tempted again because they remembered that prostitute or whatever used to tempt them they decided they were going to find a new way across town and not walk by that because it reminded them see they put off the old but they didn't just put off they were renewed how do you get renewed i beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of god that you present your bodies a living sacrifice you all know this verse right and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the what renewing of your mind you know what that means that means if you're memorizing verses for any class or course you're not memorizing them just for the course you should be memorizing them for the rest of your life. I, I actually, on my phone, have pictures of my verse cards from the 1970s when I was just like you sitting in college. And I had to memorize all these verses and all those Iwana verses and all the BMA verses and all the whatever I was in program verses and camp verses. Why? I didn't do them just for camp or to get a, five points on the quiz and then forget it you know I can really learn those fast and get it over with Mm -mm. that's the only way I can take a shower that's the only way I can be renewed by the renewing of your mind it's the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God that totally transforms our minds and I'm only on slide 13 of 30 and we have 10 minutes okay so my question are you making a choice every day and here's the last thing look look at acts nineteen nine. oh now i got to turn all the way back to acts 19 verse 9 uh, paul took him to the school of tyrannus and reasoned daily in the school then look at verse 10 and he continued for two years so they went to this kind of afternoon q a the reasoning means q a but now look at verse 20 so the word of the lord grew mightily and prevailed if god's son is magnified if you choose for christ to be magnified and if you choose to be consecrated by taking off being renewed and putting on every day then god's word will start prevailing in your life when god's son is magnified when god's people are consecrated god's word prevails the power of the early church was simply genuine holiness You know everybody's looking for the secret what did they have how did they do all that they were energized by god's grace they magnified christ god's word prevailed in their lives and they lived a consecrated life the spirit of god moved unhindered he flowed through them unquenched and god got all the glory you know this morning i put on youtube every day i put a little devotional thought on youtube and this morning i don't know i got up at five i put up how not to quench the Holy Spirit yeah I just shared my thoughts it was a video clip I wrote a little little piece and just before I came here I looked I think when I left for class 5468 people had already watched that clip you know why they don't want to quench the Holy Spirit did you know that's the biggest problem of our church today people are saved and the one who's transforming them they're quenching by disobeying him the spirit flowed unquenched god got all the glory no one competed for the credit no one sought to be in control god reigned in the church the spirit moved and christ was magnified and what i always ask the students and i would ask you if we had time is what would be burned in your life today if god's conviction swept your life what would you pull out and say I don't want this anymore because this is hindering the holy spirit in my life did you know that's what's supposed to be going on that's when you sit through these classes you should be ticking off learning truth ignited by the holy spirit and saying i think i'm going to lessen because every time i do that i get tempted and fail and feel far from god i'm going to i'm going to start shedding that and i'm going to be renewed and i'm going to go this way okay that was only the first two lessons we found secondly jesus records our life Jesus keeps a spiritual resume. Look look what he says in in verse 2. Oh, got to turn all the way back to Revelation chapter 2. and verse 2, Jesus said, I know your works, your labor. Jesus is recording our lives. He has a resume of our life. Jesus is monitoring our health. Look at verse 4. I have this against you. You don't love me like you used to. You know what he's saying? They had a heart condition now i i can speak from experience on that the day before my birthday in 2020 i was driving one of my sons to the airport and i felt worse than i ever felt in my life so this is like you know two years and two months ago i mean i felt like an elephant had gotten in the car and was sitting on me i didn't talk that's how you know i was sick bonnie knew i wasn't talking because I have a phonographic mind. Whatever I'm thinking about, I talk about, you know? And so uh, I, I felt like an elephant was on me. And so we dropped my son off at the airport and we turned around from the airport and Bonnie said, where are we headed? I said, the hospital. She said, what? I said, oh. And I started sweating and basically I was having a heart attack. And you know what they do? They, there's an artery right here and they cut a little slit and they put a tube up your arm that on the end of it has all these gizmos and they can do all kinds of stuff and they went in there and opened up my artery and put this popped it open with a screen and put a screen in and all kinds of wonderful stuff because I had a heart condition well Ephesus had a heart condition they appeared to be thriving it was the largest church in in the world Paul pastored there three years he explained the scriptures every day uh, just for being exiled john lived there and ministered in ephesus they had mary jesus mother there timothy had been there more scripture books were written directly to ephesus in another city in the world ephesians 1 timothy first john and revelation 2. this letter jesus dictates and they were amazing but here's the problem they were coasting and nobody could see it but jesus The church was big the programs were humming the outreach was going the church was packed the speaking was out of this world but inside the hearts jesus was no longer first in their schedules in their concentration what they thought about and that signaled he was no longer the supreme ruler they weren't seeking him above all else they were just seeking him and Jesus admonished them the only way remember I told you there are only two choices pleasing God or pleasing self either we're pleasing Jesus or we're not the only way we please him is when we love him more than everything or anything else and the bottom line is right in the scriptures look what Jesus says verse 5 remember therefore from where you've fallen remember what how much you used to long for my word and love me and seek me first in everything you did. Remember that, and repent. What is repentance, by the way? Greek word metanoia. I mean, I know the the morphology of the word. What does it mean? It means you have a change of mind. Okay, I'm walking this way. I have a change of mind, and I say right, I want to go the other way, and then I go the other way. But it's a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. That's why I said you'll never be in the future, what you're not becoming today. You have to have that change of mind today and start a new direction. So Jesus didn't take first place. Their hearts didn't belong to him. Repent. Jesus asked us, remember, repent, start over again. Matthew 6.33, seek first kingdom of God. Matthew 4.4, seek to live by every word of God. That's why I spend that half hour every day writing my little journal. Set your affection above in Colossians 3.1. Um, oh, by the way, I, I taught this for one whole year to our church and it's in a book. And those of you that are on Amazon and do Kindles, I think it's on sale for $2.99 or $3.99 right now. Uh, but this is all seven churches, Christ's last words to his church. But Jesus said in verse five, reset your compass any marriage or relationship is about time focus and trust if you have a relationship you spend time you focus on them and you trust each other do you spend prime time with Jesus do we focus on him I mean if I get around Bonnie I'm looking right at her I want to see her face her eyes I want to see how she's talking I want to know how she feels she's the one person in the whole world I want to spend all my time with okay And I spend time with you, but grudgingly. You know what I mean? rather be with her. That's how it is with the Lord. We want to be praying, reading the word, doing our memory work because we're consumed by love. Jesus knows. By the way, look at verse 6. He says, I know that you hate the people that I hate. He knows what we love and hate. And Jesus said in verse 7, if you have ears to hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying. What he's saying is, genuine salvation means we hear the voice of the Lord. And I told you about that lady on the tube. And Jesus speaks to all believers. Let the Spirit hear what the Spirit says to all the churches. And Jesus says, You're overcomers. And what that means is, God's going to finish what He started. And that's what Philippians 1 6 says. And we're kept by the power of God. And the secret is, love God most.